Hi! Last episode, I looked at some other community bakeries, and this week I want to do a little case study, if you will, of our own. This is Zach Martinucci, and you're listening to Against the Grain. Part of what it means for us to be a community bakery is wanting to have conversations about bread and food. We love talking about yeast and fermentation, or baking at home, or what you're going to make with your bread once you take it home. A lot of people, though, aren't home bakers coming in with these questions, and more just aren't expecting to have any kind of conversation about bread when they come to buy it. But when someone sees the bread rack for the first time, and they really look at it so they can make a decision, they often realize that it's probably different than what they were expecting. From the door, it just looked like bread and pastries, but then you get closer, and there are no croissants or baguettes, and there are all kinds of flavors and shapes of things that are just a little different than maybe other bakeries you're used to visiting. Rebel Bread's mission is to challenge the relationship that people have with their food. That can look like a lot of different things, and it applies to what's on that bread rack every day, what products we decide to make and call our own. I guess it started with the Denver Danish, our remix of the Bostock. It's a slice of brioche toasted with different toppings like blueberry jam and almond cream, or raspberry cheesecake, or arugula parmesan. Something new but still familiar as a pastry. Then the brioche bun, which I had a version of at Tartine in San Francisco the week before I opened Rebel. But I didn't really enjoy their brioche bun that much. There wasn't enough jam, and the brioche wasn't anything special. Maybe I caught it on an off day, or it just wasn't for me. That happens. So instead, it was just inspiration for our remix of a brioche bun in the style of a jelly donut. And once we made them look like jelly donuts, people seemed to know what to do with them and started liking them a lot more. Our flavored sourdoughs, which I talk a lot about, are of course a little unique. And as I was first looking at all of these breads and pastries that I like to make, and trying to figure out what our regular offering should be, I thought, what if we only do things differently? What if there's no traditional bread on the menu? Like, if you get a cinnamon roll, it'll be made with brioche and have some kind of different glaze, like maple instead of cinnamon altogether. And if one day we make baguettes, they would only be made with heirloom grains. Who wrote the bakery rules anyway? We could serve whatever we want. Then it came time for the bagel. You've heard that ours are actually made with baguette dough. That was a product of creative restraints, actually, because regular baguettes weren't turning out in our crazy hot pizza oven but when shaped as bagels, they come out great. This was at the same time as all that thinking differently attitude, so it was on my mind that we should be pushing the envelope at every opportunity, even if just a little bit. So if we're going to make a bagel, it can't be a traditional bagel. My favorite thing to make at bread school actually was called a crown, and to make those you put your elbow through a piece of round dough on the table, and then stretch and roll it out between your hands to make what is basically a giant bagel. So I cut pieces of this baguette dough four times the size of a regular bagel and thought, what if we only make giant bagels? We'll make giant bagel sandwiches and cut them into four pieces so you can share it with your office or your friends for breakfast. It'll be great for coffee shops because they can have this giant bagel to display and can then just assemble one giant bagel sandwich, but they get four servings out of it. And the bread is moister and fluffier and stays fresher longer because there's more mass to surface area over a small bagel. Well, we do make both sizes now, but before we go any further, I have to tell you that in the spirit of everything being a remix, the family style bagel wasn't my idea. 
well, it is my idea, but I'm taking a lot of inspiration from some similar concepts, two Italian ones in particular. One is a giant sandwich I had on Easter in Carpi one year. It was this six-layer sandwich cut into quarters, with each layer having different toppings. So when it came to the table as a giant sandwich, everyone got to pick their favorite piece out of the stack, and we all shared it together. What a concept. The second came from time I spent with my Italian relatives in Luca. You might remember my aunt and uncle, or however we're related, Fernando and Paola, from his explanation, tracing why the people of Luca are so headstrong and independent. He is an excellent ambassador for his city, and gives a very thorough tour, which includes stopping in as many of the 99 churches of Luca that are open, but he can't really walk and talk at the same time, so it takes a while. On his walking and talking tour, we stop at Tadeucci, the only remaining bakery that makes their prized pastry, the bucciolato. You can probably find a bucciolato in the supermarket nowadays, but it's not really the same as when it's made in the traditional manner. Fernando explains that the way it's always been done is that the grandfather of the bakery holds on to the secret family recipe, and only when he is preparing to retire does he pass it on to his son. There were two remaining shops, until recently, that made this traditional artisanal bucciolato, each with their own family recipe. And the elder owner of one of the shops died suddenly before he could pass on his recipe, so it was lost forever. Now, only one shop, Tadeuchi, makes the bucciolato. I asked Fernando if there's a conspiracy that one shop owner secretly had the other owner killed, just saying, but he doesn't seem to understand why I would think that. Anyway, we go into Tadeuchi to get a bucciolato one morning. I'm told it's a kind of bread, but it's sweet enough that we'll eat it like a pastry after lunch, and they come in rounds and sticks. Since I'm visiting, this is apparently a special occasion, so we have to get a round one. We reserve it, actually, so that we can continue our stop-and-go walking tour of the 99 churches, and then circle back later to take it home for lunch. After our meal, we unwrap this beautiful package of ornate wax paper and twine encasing the bucciolato. Paola cuts it into slices, and we all have a piece with our coffee. I can't help but start laughing as soon as I start eating it, and they don't understand why. I try to explain that their prized local pastry is a giant raisin bagel. But they've never had a bagel before. Now, bucciolato literally means big hold thing, but I wasn't expecting a bagel. And all right, there's anise in it, so technically it's a giant raisin anise bagel, but seriously, it's a bagel. Slightly crispy crust, chewy on the inside, raisins in the dough. So now I'm thinking, we're eating it wrong. That's not how you eat a bagel. But who wrote that rule? Just because I've only ever had it with cream cheese for breakfast doesn't mean that's the only way. And it's taking some age-old Italian tradition to make me realize that maybe there's more than one way to eat a bagel. Maybe a slightly sweet bagel can be served as dessert after a nice family lunch. Maybe a giant bagel is something you take home for special occasions and theatrically unwrap at the table and share with your loved ones. Maybe it stands for the pride you have in your city and your local bakery. I still laugh about it because just think about how funny it would be if you asked someone to bring dessert to your house and they brought a raisin bagel. But again, as absurd as I find it, the bucciolato, this big hold thing, did challenge the relationship I had with bread, just a little, and that aspect is now the most important job of Rebel Bread's family-style bagel. 
I got all excited because two months ago when I introduced the family style bagel, a better bagel meant for sharing remixed from a Tuscan tradition, I thought this is the bagel of the future. And I'm going to have a podcast episode soon where I tell you what it was like to watch as all of Denver began eating and loving the family style bagel. Well, that, that didn't happen, at least not yet. As it turns out, this is a little more radical than a Denver Danish. At least with those, people recognize them as pastries and think to order one with coffee or take a small box home for their family, like you do with other pastries. But this one is a little strange. Most people have never eaten a family-style bagel. I hadn't, really. It's way bigger than a bagel I would eat myself for breakfast. But it's kind of weird to bring home and call it a loaf of bread. Like, look everyone, I brought a giant bagel for us to have with dinner. Even if it is technically a baguette, that's a hard sell. I wasn't just asking people to try a new product, I was asking for a cultural change of sorts. Kind of like asking people to eat raisin bagels for dessert and have it not be weird. I see the family style bagel as the iPad of bread or the bird scooter, except with only like three features and I'm not convinced you need one in your life in the same way. I'm hoping it's not the segue of bread, but that's too soon to tell. The point is, cultural change takes time. And because we don't sell that many family-style bagels, each interaction feels like a really important data point in observing how this new product is taking shape. I often observe that people respond to the novelty of it. The oversized bagel will catch someone's eye and they'll have to make a comment about it, about how they want to eat the whole thing. That's good. I mean, the attention is helpful to start a conversation. But I don't want this to be a novelty where people come in expecting they, like, win a free t-shirt if they eat the whole thing in 12 minutes. I want it to be considered a serious loaf of bread you'd consider buying again. But now we're talking about it, and so I get to mention the backstory behind it, that we designed it as a better bagel made for sharing. We don't have time for the whole Italy story, though. I offered a cream cheese it for them, cut it into pieces, kind of meet halfway here to see if they'd consider trying it. There's now also a little education piece around it. My friend Emily, who started Betterish, designed a few zines for us, just these little booklets with the top five things to do with your rebel bread. We made them both to be playful, and on the serious note that some people need a little inspiration figuring out what to do with bread they've never seen before. There's a zine on our counter called The Top Five Things to Do with Your Family Style Bagel, and it includes making a giant bagel sandwich, of course, making the biggest pizza bagel of your whole life, which people have mentioned doing and really enjoying, and hanging it from the ceiling with a string and bobbing for bagel. Hey, we're trying to get creative here. It's so much more than just bread. Now, after a couple months, few people have converted to the family-style bagel. Some have tried enough of our things to consider it, I think because they trust us enough, I hope. And still, the majority of people are confused, don't think it's for them, or just don't notice it entirely. So that's a lot of conversations I still get to have. I love giving people that moment where they realize that maybe there's more than one way to eat a bagel. That maybe there are new perspectives to consider, new roles for this bagel to play, new ways to think about it because there are no rules. That maybe when you look at it, not as this familiar bagel, but as a new big hold thing, you can do whatever you want with it. Because this is about slow cultural change, not fleeting gimmicks, and so those moments and conversations are one way in which we use our space as a community bakery to challenge the relationship people have with their bread. 
hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. We at Rebel Bread all took some time off to be with our friends and family. I personally just returned from a quick trip to San Francisco. I brought eight loaves of bread home in my suitcase and loved getting to enjoy them with my family that don't get to come to the bakery. I'm laughing at how many of you reacted to the no rolls comment. It's getting me made fun of now more than ever before and was a little embarrassing to overhear my parents explain to other relatives at Thanksgiving why Zach doesn't make rolls because if he makes rolls, he'll have to hire Sean the brioche roller. And then they say, wait, who's Sean and why does he have to make brioche? And then everyone's confused. But I got to say my piece and so I think it's worth it. Really though, thanks to those of you who related to it somehow or stood by my decision to adamantly not make rolls. I was asked by some friends what we'd be doing for Small Business Saturday, and then quickly tried to turn around an online store with some promotions for the event. Well, it's been on my to-do list for a while now, and this was the motivation I needed, and I'm happy to say that our winter classes and events calendar is now up. People have been asking, so it's my pleasure to say you can go to rebelbread.com happenings to see all the sourdough at home classes and bread workshops and interactive dinners and everything else on our calendar from January through March. There are more events that still have to be added, including some in December, but this should give a good idea of the kinds of things we'll be doing around the bakery. If you're in Denver and looking to come to an event, note that our ticketing website is not yet up. That's another project. So for now, you can use the calendar to save the date, and if you'd like, you can buy a gift certificate in our online store, which you'll be able to redeem for a ticket once registration begins. This week, we're going to start testing out some panettone, my favorite Italian holiday bread. Panettone literally means big bread. It's compared to fruitcake because it has dried fruit, but it is no fruitcake. It's like a brioche in that it's a bread cake cross, although way more challenging to make. Ours will have candied orange, dark chocolate chips, and a chocolate glaze on top. I've told our bakers that everyone that successfully makes panettone will make the varsity bread team. So I'll report next week to let you know how tryouts go and tell you how orders will work if you'd like a panettone shipped to you. You can find panettone in the supermarkets this time of year. They're usually in like a red or orange kind of rounded but square box. Uh, but if you're able to get your hands on an artisanal panettone, do yourself the favor and give it a try because it is an entirely different product. If you're in Denver, we'll start carrying them here at the shop soon. And between you and me, I'm going to really start pushing these on our coffee shops. I would love nothing more than for everyone to sell panettone toast for just a week or two and just confuse the hell out of Denver. As you know, we're big on pushing the envelope and cultural change. So if you frequent a coffee shop that carries Rebel Bread, please start asking for panettone toast. I ate it for breakfast as a kid, I still do, and swear to you, it is one of the most delicious things. We can all work on this project together. It'll be fun. Next week, in the final episode of the season, I want to talk to you about creativity and mentorship and the obligation us bakers have to the community. I'll talk to you then. This track was Have It Your Way by John Worthy and the Benz on Free Music Archive.